2: 755 is real with david o'brien and eric o'flaherty
0: welcome back to 755 is real i'm david o'brien braves writer for the athletic with my co-host former braves reliever eric o'flaherty what's up eric how you doing man
3: not much dave how you holding up
0: i'm doing good it's been a rough rough week as you know um (laughs) Rough month, but especially yep. this week. Uh, we have a very special guest today. Long-time Brace pitching coach. He was a pitching coach when I came here in 02, and I had the pleasure of talking to him on a regular basis. He was a fountain of knowledge that he was always willing to share, and it's great to have him on the show today. Leo Mazzoni. welcome, Welcome, Leo. Welcome aboard to 755 is Real, the appropriately named 755 is Real for right now.
2: Yeah, David, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while, but I think when I saw you talking, didn't I see you rocking there a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you knew it or not, but you were rocking a little bit. I
0: might have been a little <laughs> bit. I bet you are.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, when you start talking about baseball or uh, great people like Hank Aaron and Don Sutton and Phil Necro and the list goes on. So, yeah. you know, you celebrate it, though. You don't, you know, you, there's, there's a yeah. certain sadness to it, but you celebrate it.
0: Yeah, that's the only thing, obviously, the only there are no pluses, but that's the only good thing about this past week was with the tragic death of the great, great immortal Hank Aaron is that there's been such a celebration of his life and you're hearing so many people talk about what he meant to them, to the city, to the franchise, to baseball, to the world. And I think that's really cool that we're finding that a lot of people maybe that haven't heard all these stories are able to hear them and you've got plenty of them.
2: You know, and here here's one that uh, uh, I'm we might might not be sitting here talking uh, with me as a, a career with the Braves without Hank Aaron. Uh, yeah. Back in uh, 1978, I was managing a co-op team in the Carolina League, and the Braves optioned eight players out to the club, and five of them were pitchers, and three of them ended up in the top ten in the league in pitching. So as that season wore on, the Braves started taking notice of what's going on with this pitching there in Kinston, Carolina, in the Carolina League. When we had them in our and we, not, we couldn't do what this guy's doing. Who is this guy? Well, at the end of the year, I get a call at home, and it's from Susan Bailey. He said, "Is this Leo Mazzoni?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "This is Susan Bailey," and I went, "Do I know a Susan Bailey?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm know, trying one. to figure that out.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, right. you, I, I mean, Uh-oh, what just, did I do? I'm, I'm Henry Aaron's secretary, and I went,
3: "Really?" She goes, "Yeah."
2: She says Henry would like to talk to you. I said, "Okay." So he has, he said, "Leo, it's Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron." He goes. Uh, how would you like to fly down to Florida and go to the instruction league out down in Sarasota and check out all our young pitchers down there? I said, I'd love to. I said, when do you want to do it? And he goes, well, how about tomorrow? I said, I'm ready to go. He, th- he says, I'll see that I meet you at the airport at a certain time. Susan will take care of everything. Next day I'm going down to meet Hank Aaron at the airport in Atlanta. Now I'm starting to realize, you know what? I'm I'm going down there to meet Hank Aaron and go on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> down Florida, and I'm going my golly, you know, now I start getting a little nervous, you know, thinking, How hey, old were hey, you well. at the time, Leo? Well, I'd uh, pitched 10 years and Manny's three years, so I was right around 30, 31. And Hank's
0: obviously the retired home run yeah. king and he's the front right. director. Right. So,
2: you know, and uh, uh, growing up with Aaron Mantle Mays in that era, yeah. you know, and uh, so anyway, um, uh, we meet at the airport, we get on the plane, and he says, Hey, I said, Yeah, he goes, You want a beer? I said, Yeah, I'd love one. So he, we had a beer together, and within an hour, wasn't nervous anymore. Was just talking like you and I and Eric are talking right now, and, and it was just like he'd known me his entire life. And I would, and I decided right then and there he would do the talking, and I would do the listening. I gonna <laughs> shut up and listen. <laughs> well, we get down to Florida, and, and I'm there for a week, and it was pretty much like an interview. Only it was, you know, looking at pictures. Do you like this guy? Who do you like? Who do you think we're, you know? Grade this guy out for me. And after a week, he said, uh, "We'd like to offer you a job to join our organization." So I said, "That's great." I said, "What team do you want me to manage?" <laughs> he, goes, he goes, "No, no, 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 no." He said, "We want you to be a pitching coach,"
4: <laughs> and uh,
2: and I said, "Okay." Well, in the meantime, Detroit had wanted me to manage Lakeland in the Florida State League, uh-huh. and so the bottom line was the Braves offered two thousand more a month than Detroit did to be a pitching coach instead of the manager. So I took the pitching <laughs> coach job. What were you
0: where were you when he called you what was that uh the group that you were with the organization that you were with
2: the kissing uh, in the K- K- into carolina league was a co-op team I got you so what they did was or different organizations uh, uh option players out to me to put right. together now i had to be approved by all the organizations that were uh, uh optioning out guys uh-huh. and i had some from the phillies i had a couple from the yankees i had them from the braves and then you put that all together. You run your own spring training there before a week or two before the season starts, and then of course you know you're the manager, the third base coach, or the pitching coach, or the hitting instructor. <laughs> you're throwing four groups of BP every day,
0: uh-huh.
2: and um, so you know. Uh, but you know, at the time, it was you know at the time it was great. It was a lot of fun because people always asked me how come you could how come you could be in the minor leagues for 24 years and then get to the big leagues for 18, and I said because I loved every minute of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you know, you'd love that too. And you create great relationships. So we had success there. The pitchers developed. And then that's when the brave step in and Hank was in charge of the farm system at the time. And he said one thing, very important to me, he says, I don't care what you do. You take care of those pitchers. And I, and, and, and you know what? Bobby Cox said the same thing to me when I went to the big leagues with him in '90. He says, I don't care what you do. Take care of the pitchers. That, in that they, Both those bosses gave me the leeway to do whatever I wanted. I had uh-huh. no interference from nobody as far as how to handle pitching staffs. It was my job to take care of them, make sure that they stayed healthy, and interact with them the way a pitching coach should.
0: Well, Leo, I don't know how your career went up until Kinston, but – I, th- I would say that everything kind of fell into place when your two bosses are Hank Aaron and Bobby Cox. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no question about it. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, 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 and Hank was a guy that he, he, he you know, he would offer you a little, didn't say much, but when he did, you listen, he says, Leo, he said, I want to tell you one thing right now. He says, you tell your pitchers we can, we can, uh, um, how do I say it? Um, Oh, we can time a jet coming through the strike zone. If we see it often enough. You know, or he would. You know, he would give me. He, one time we had a uh, uh, four four games going at once in an exhibition game, and I was behind home plate. And he said, "Leo, your your pitcher's fixing to give up a home run." I said, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." About two pitches later, the guy gave up a home run. I said, "How'd you know that?" He said, "He's been pitching way too much in the heart of the plate the whole time he's been out there." So, you know, little things yeah, like yeah. that. But uh, and then that, during spring training, Leo, let's go to Okeechobee Steakhouse. He'd have a private table down in West Palm Beach. Okeechobee Steakhouse, he could, we'd take me to dinner. And this was at least once a week. And, uh, and he says, would you do me a favor? He said, would you go to the bar and get me a glass of wine? He said, because if I get out of this table, when I go up to that bar to get a glass of wine, he said, I'll never get back.
4: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> but, and, he, and the thing he did for me though, was when Bobby got there in, uh, in 1986 and Bobby had a big, a big organizational meeting and, uh, uh, was going to turn an offensive oriented organization into a pitching one. When Hank said, when I was a minor league pitching coach and Hank spoke up and said, Leo's pitching staffs don't get sore arms and they don't. And that was the thing I was always most proud of in the minor leagues and the big leagues, as you well know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, these guys don't get sore arms. Once Hank made that point coming from Hank Aaron, that Leo's pitchers don't get sore arms. Uh then that's when my stock rose in 1986. When Bobby took over,
0: had the right guys in your corner.
2: You ain't kidding. I bought that one for having that guy in your corner.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good one.
1: Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
0: So I learned this week that you're part of a big announcement coming up by the Braves that you Joe Torrey and Joe Adcock are going to be inducted into the Braves hall of fame and the next three inductees this year.
2: Well, so, I think it's such, it's a tremendous honor. And, uh, I think, I think basically you talk about that, but, uh, I think that's for another program, you know, another time when we can all celebrate. Right. I think now emphasis would be on Hank Aaron, Don Sutton and Phil Negro, but I, it, just, I'll let you know that it's going to be w- close to maybe or maybe the greatest day of my life.
4: Yeah, oh, that's
2: yeah.
0: cool. Um, yeah, that's a huge honor. You're going to be the first Braves coach to get in there, which <laughs> I think seems appropriate given you were the pitching coach for the entire Braves' unprecedented run of 14 consecutive titles, right? Division titles,
2: right? You were right. there the whole time. Yeah. We we were the whole time. And, uh, you know, I, I always said one thing, though, David, I said, uh, you know, what makes for a good pitching coach is great pitchers and great and a good pitching coach doesn't mess up great pitchers. Yeah. But can yeah. you but can you imagine this real quick? Ninety one through ninety three. We made five hundred thirty seven starts with the rotation. We missed one. Yeah. And then over over our over our look at Eric and over <laughs> and over our 14 year period. Right. With me and Bobby. Our starting rotations average making one hundred and forty six to one hundred and sixty two game schedule starts.
3: It's impossible now. And
2: Eric, you'll love this. (laughs) We firmly believe that the starting rotation took care of the bullpen. Absolutely. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's
0: not that's not (laughs) been the case
2: lately. No. Well, it's all of baseball. Yeah, it's everywhere. That's for a whole different story that we
0: oh, yeah. can really have a lot of fun with. Uh Joe Torre, for those of uh, you might have forgot, both played and managed the Braves. He uh he was a catcher first baseman and played nine seasons for the Braves, including their last six years in Milwaukee and their first three in Atlanta in 66 to 68. He was uh rookie of the year runner-up in 61 with Milwaukee, finished fifth in the 64 NL MVP balloting, and was an all-star in five straight seasons, including the first two in Atlanta. In the debut Braves' debut year in Atlanta in 66 on that of uh, course team with Aaron as the center centerpiece Torrey hit 315 with a career high 36 homers 101 ribbies that year and he managed the Braves from 82 through 84 including a division title in 82 he was Tori was 41 the year. that was the only Braves division title between the one they won in 1969 and the first the worst of first season that you were part of in 91 that was their only division title in that right. stretch
2: well, it, Joe Torrey showed me something very important that uh, Bobby and I always felt about taking and, and Hank was running it. We always lo- took care of the minor leaguers, always talked to the coaches in the minor leagues, always talked to the managers in the minor leagues because we respected so much about how what they, they were. They're the most under, underappreciated and underpaid people in the game of baseball. Uh-huh. And so Joe Torrey Joe Torre would have me come to his spring trainings. And the only reason was I was a young pitching coach. I was left handed, and I had to throw a ton of batting practice to him, especially to Horner, Murphy, and Chambliss. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, the, at the end of that year, after they won the West, I'm at I'm at home, you know, and uh, probably getting ready to go down in the instructional league, and I get something in the mail, or and uh, it's a it's a gold watch that says Worst to First. I mean I mean uh, gold watch says Best in the West, 1982. And Uh that was from Joe Torre. And I thought like I, would you know, got the biggest bonus. You could you know, in other words, he showed appreciation for what we as minor league coaches did when we went to spring training. So, and then we had to face him a lot. We lost, we lost to him twice in the world series.
0: That seemed like that was always the minor league system has always been valued by the Braves going back to guys like Paul Snyder, Hank Aaron, Bobby Cox. It was always kind of the lifeblood of the organization, even if people didn't see it until those guys got to the big leagues, but they were so critical. Your homegrown players were so important
2: to your guys' success. Well, you know what, Hank, you know, Hank, when Hank was running it, you know, I I used to not hear from him for a while, you know? And so one time I called him, I said, Hank, is everything okay? Because, you know, then you're trying to to move along in your career, you know, and you're going, you know, I hope nobody's upset, you know? He said, Leo, he said, if I have to call you all the time, he said, there's something not right. He said, but if you don't hear anything from me, he says, you're doing your job. He said, and you're doing your job. So he says, he said, "Uh, so just keep doing what you're doing. So. You know, in, in, and he allowed me Hank, Hank allowed me to uh, do whatever I wanted as far as pitching philosophies and programs. But then I had met Johnny Sane prior to right. once Hank signed me. Then I met Johnny Sane, who had a tremendous influence on me. And I wanted to pick the brain of the guy that had the most success in the history of baseball as far as uh, uh, pitching coaches go. He put pitching coaches on the map. And then you had Hank on the other end, yeah. If you wanted to talk a little bit of hitting or whatever, and then the other coach was Luke Appling. So I'm sitting there going, "Wow, Hank Aaron, Johnny Sain, yeah, and Luke yeah. Appling." And if, <laughs> and if I'm not stupid enough to listen to them and be yeah. their brain, <laughs> yeah. there's something wrong with me, you know. And so, therefore, they played big. big they were big influences in my, in my career. Just just like then in the big leagues, I was blessed to have Don Sutton up in the booth. Yeah, Sutton was up in the booth, and you know what I used to do, Eric. If I couldn't get through to an Avery or a Millwood, I'd call up Don. And I'd say, you know, do not you come on down to the bullpen with me? He go, you want me to? I said, well, yeah. You won three hundred some games. I said, you, got, I want you to check out the uh, Avery. I uh, something I'm missing. Avery, you remember Steve, the left hander was. He was at a young age. He was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And Don would come down and he'd look at him and he'd say a few words to him and might be close to what I'm saying. Maybe not the same, but we're all trying to get to the same point. Boom, it clicked. Or if you had Kevin Millwood. Kevin Millwood was in it struggling a little bit. He came down. Next start, Millwood was ready to roll. So every once in a while, you need a different voice. Might be saying the same thing, but yeah. why not take advantage of the tools that are available to you? You know, if you have yeah. Don Sutton up there, come on. You know what I mean? Kinda, Give me a break. Kind of so, put the,
0: the ego aside and not worry about, you know, uh, somebody right. else getting credit for it or anything like right. that. No, yeah. I didn't yeah, care about cares? that. All who I cared cares? about was
2: the guys staying healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why – and Hank let me develop throwing programs for the minor league rotation, and then we did it for relievers too. For example, Eric, you'll like this. If a reliever didn't warm up, or get in a game for two days, mm-hmm. which now every, you, it's impossible for us to ever pitch it. The relievers are the most abused guys in the game today, especially your setup guys. So anyway – so if they didn't warm up or get in a game for a couple days, then I would bring them over before the game and have them throw yeah, a little yeah. side session prior to the game while I had a baseball executive come down and tell me, he goes, Hey Leo, you had, you had uh, uh Steve Bedrosian throwing a little bit before the game. I There's. said, know yeah. he goes, uh, well, what if you have to use him tonight? I said, well, that's what we're
3: preparing for. (laughs) He'll be ready then. He'll be ready to go
2: because you have to get on the mound and go downhill a little bit, you know, to get used to it. Don't give me this flat footed throwing BS that should never take the place of going downhill to a catcher at 60 feet, six inches. But anyway, so he allowed me to do all these things. He allowed me to have a five man rotation where I could throw my starters twice in between, which, you know, and I carried that on to the big leagues for all those years. But I also had to explain to him how I was going to do it by saying, okay, we're going to throw more often with less exertion. Mm-hmm. Our practice mm-hmm. sessions in between, we're never airing anything out. And then when we got in the game, uh, our, our term was we're going to firm everything up. Okay. So therefore, and then here's the other great thing. You know, Bobby Cox, when we know he and I are together, you know, they talked about all these things as far as pitch count, da-da-da-da. Bobby Cox had a max out inning for his starters. And when he told me, he says, asked me if they were going to max out, I'd say, yeah. Well, if they were going to max out, they were done. Pitch count had nothing to do with it after that inning. If they weren't going to max out, they weren't done. And pitch so, count had yes. nothing to do with it. So you were just it. watching
3: them. <laughs> uh, pardon me. Go ahead. You, you were just watching them and letting that dictate. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. could you could read it and tell when they yeah, were starting I to get gassed. I,
2: I wasn't looking down at some chart. That just right. makes so much sense I was watching to me. you on the mound. Yeah. you know, But Hank allowed me to do that yeah. and didn't have me carry it on. As we went forward, now there might have been. Now in today's game, there might be some farm director come out and say, "Well, you ain't doing that." Yeah. Everybody, you know, you're you're not going to do that.
0: They're scared to but, do it now. If a guy gets hurt, they're going to blame them for you know fo- well, not following the the chart.
2: Right. Well, the, the thing, thing is, when you were a young pitching coach, when I was a young pitching coach trying to get to the big leagues, you had to have healthy staffs that Hank if you had a healthy staff Hank let you left you alone take care of everything but if you had a bunch of guys breaking down he wanted to find out what's going on mm-hmm. so that you're you're then you only got to the big leagues if your rotations and your relievers and all your kids in AAA and AAA, A which I got to coach at every level you know if they didn't break down so and I had a history of them not breaking down
0: so if you got results then your process, you you could use your process. You got results. That's the one you're going to use it. Never. We're not going to have everybody cookie cutter follow this certain pitch line. No, no, no.
2: It. Absolutely not. Everybody's yeah. an individual. Uh, and, but the thing is, you have to exchange. We we said exchange ideas with the guy. We right, let our right. pitchers, whether they were starters or relievers, have input. Right. So when they have input, they're the ones that are doing the pitching.
1: <laughs> I seems mean, like, come on.
2: Yeah, you seems, know. So I remember one time we got John Burkett in a trade. You know, and, and <laughs> yeah, and I asked Berkey. I asked, Bobby goes go over and ask him, you know, if he's done. So it was after the six. He said, if it's not done, tell him to grab a bad, we're not taking him out after six. I said, Berkey, you okay? He goes, uh Berkey. I said, Berk, yeah. I said he was funny. <laughs> yeah, said, he wanted- <laughs> he's got I- this funny look on his yeah. face. You know, I said, What's the matter? What's that? What, 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 what's what's that look on your face? He goes, I've never been asked, only told. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. So all that type of thing went into these guys and how they, you know, wanted to do it. But I'll tell you one thing. I never met a pitcher in my entire career. They didn't like getting on the mound and practicing their craft at 60 feet, six inches going down a hill. And that never was replaced by anything else.
0: Did, did any other teams, when you were doing the two, throw two, two times between starts, did any other teams pick that up and follow it? And does, do you know of anybody that would do that these days? Or are they so structured in how they do it now that nobody I would dare I do think that?
2: They, no, I don't think they do it that, these days, you know. and You thought and, it was a big part thing of your did,
0: success, right, of why yeah, you well, got yeah, but
2: unfortunately, you know, when I met Sane, right. There was a lot of people didn't like him, you know, because you know why he was really good. And yeah. if you're real good, you know, and, and, and knowledge is intimidating and Sane, when I was talk, when I talked to him about pitching, I was hearing stuff that I'd never heard anything else. He was, he was the first one that talked about the spin rate. He had the spinner showing the guys how to spin the ball, get the right spin on your pitches, you know, and I'm sitting there watching, taking it all in. You know, take, he's taking me to his trailer every night, you know, talk, talk about pitching, have a little cornbread and beans and a little sip of vodka, you know, and talk about pitching all night, you know? So these are the guys, Oh, Don Sutton. Here's an interesting one. Eric go like this later on toward the end of my career with the Braves and Sutton still, there he goes, you know what? The greatest teacher a pitcher has Leo. And I, I kind of knew the answer, but I let him talk. He goes, the greatest teacher a pitcher has is innings pitched.
4: He said, and what is
2: baseball doing to the pitchers? What is baseball doing? They're taking innings pitched away from them. Mm -hmm. And that's just not in the big leagues. That's starting when they sign. Here's the other thing. Hank always believed, and so did I, and so did Johnny Sane, that your five best arms in AAA, your five best arms in AA, and your five best arms in A ball, and your five best arms in rookie league all started. We never we never believed in developing a reliever in the minor leagues till they got some innings under their belt and found out what their stuff was, how they felt with their pitches. And then later on in their in their in their farm system and their career in the minors before going to the big leagues, then we'd convert one of those starters or have a couple guys and ask the manager and the pitching coach to find out who could rebound, who do you think can you know go two on and one off, whatever. You know, who do you think can rally like that? And then that's – so that killed two things. Number one, the, the relief pitcher got some innings in, who was going to be a reliever in the meetings. He got some innings in the minors. He yeah. learned about yeah. his pitches. He learned about facing hitters and how to go about how he wanted to go about it. So, therefore, that benefited those type of guys. You know, then your relievers, like Kent Merker, Steve Bedrosian, those guys, they started all their career in the minors.
3: Mm-hmm. Then when they
2: got to the big leagues, they had – you know, Merck has spent 17 years in the big leagues, for crying out loud.
3: They knew how to pitch, though, as when they got to that point. Uh-huh. When, you know, When by the time you switch them to relievers, I always feel like those guys that had a lot of innings under their belt, when they get converted to relief pitchers, right, they actually right. know how to pitch as yeah, relievers, yeah, they knew and how, that's they, the they best they, combo. They knew
2: what they had instead of just going out there and rocking fire, you know. And,
3: yeah. You
2: know, you know, I know you had a great career as a reliever. You you. you guys had one of the best bullpens I've ever seen, and, uh, with you, and you had nasty stuff.
0: 2010
2: my problem my problem with all that is is that if i it would it would kill me if somebody got hurt and i just couldn't stand that but the bottom line was the way see what we used to do eric is go more often with less exertion now baseball goes as much exertion as you can possibly exert and then less often as far as throwing.
3: They won't even let you long toss anymore in a lot of organizations. They capped you at 120 feet and it's yeah. you know, one maybe throw once between uh games or if you get up, you know, getting warming up in the bullpen for me was that was when you practiced. You yeah. know, if you got dry humped, if you didn't get in the game, you got some extra reps in and you have to know how to control that. You know, that's right. that's why I was at my best in Atlanta cuz I was off the mound almost every day.
2: There and, you
3: go. And you have to that falls yeah. on the pitcher to manage, you know, that falls on the pitcher to control the effort level and everything. But I was off right. the now and probably 120 times a year. Right. And, and then you brought me in the game. It was like, man, I've already practiced this pitch. You know, there was never any of that rustiness. And, and so I always felt like that was why I was so good in Atlanta was because I was up and pitching and in the game so much.
2: No, I agree with you hundred percent. And you guys, you had a hell of a bullpen too for there for a couple of years that, uh, I admired a lot. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> but we always felt that, you know, the rotation would take care of the bullpen a little more than uh, what they do now because, and, and, you know, Maddox always just say that he said, you know, it's our mm-hmm. job to take care of the bullpen. So yeah. that down the stretch, we got to sharpen the bullpen to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the other thing Maddox refused to throw a, throw a baseball period in between starts, unless it was 60 feet, six inches going downhill. To <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Flat-footed throwing should never take the place of anything like that or, you know, the hunt, you know long talk, whatever. But, what did
0: he know though, Leo?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. But he's, you know, but he, it was very important. And, and and we all did that though, Eric, all of us ended up doing that. We had so many guys down the bullpen, Bobby, look out and go, where's all the, where's all our pitchers, you know, during batting practice. Well, if if we had a young pitcher down there and he was left-handed, I had Glavin down there with him. If we had yeah. a young pitcher yeah. like I had Maddox down there with him, so we'd have a little pitching get together every day down the bullpen. You know, now what's more important? Having all those guys and Bobby loved it. So he had all those guys down the bullpen picking each other's brain, exchanging ideas, or standing out in the outfield BS and wait for <laughs> Shagging <break.
3: laughs> Shag- Balls. <laughs> well, you just you never you never know what one guy can say one thing that can change your career, you know, and that's why those conversations are so important. You know, a guy can just say one visual he has on his breaking ball and that clicks with a pitcher. So if you get your pitchers together, they're sharing info all the time. A guy like Derek Lowe says, this is his thought process on this pitch. And he's, that's what's worked for him throughout his career. All of a sudden that clicks with some random reliever and it can change his whole, mm-hmm. me and Dave talk about it all the time with guys like Josh Tomlin that they had down in the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guys were giving him credit, but it's, it could be just one tip. That's why those conversations and and that that camaraderie is so important to have.
2: No question about it. And you know what? You know, and 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 Johnny Sane and, and Bobby and Hank—they all had one thing in common. For a young pitching coach like me, they always said spend your t- all your time with them. Yeah, have conversations with them all the time. I mean, you know, you ended up getting a degree in psychology as a coach. Hell, I never went to college, <laughs> but you'd sit there, yeah. you know. Well, you know, and then and you you have to take time to understand the guy's personalities. Your approach, mm-hmm. you know. In other words, Glavin was such a strong-minded individual that you could push a little harder, you know. Mm-hmm. But right. with Smolzy, you had to do it. You might have to say the same thing. It's got to be real a light presentation. <laughs> and, and and with Maddox, you have you better have your numbers right and your X's and O's right. You know? <laughs>
0: well, they did have three different personalities, didn't they?
2: Oh, they did. But, you know, all of all, all guys have different personalities. And they
0: meshed that, great, though.
2: That determines your – we've had some great conversations, I'm going to tell you that.
0: Oh, <laughs> I can only imagine.
2: <laughs> you know, and, and well – All bright guys. Yeah, but nothing. none of that happens for me unless Hank Aaron signs me and lets me do what I want to do in the minor Leagues. We're, Otherwise, I'm not we're,
0: there. We're doing this show on the day of the funeral of Henry Louis Aaron, uh, the greatest Braves player. And in my view, and the view of many others, one of the two or three greatest players in baseball history, I've I've got him right there with Babe Ruth, maybe slightly behind a Babe because Babe was a great pitcher before he was the best slugger of all time. But I wouldn't also argue with anybody that puts Hank first because the era he played in, the obstacles and the adversity that Mm -hmm. he overcame in the form of... Just repulsive racism that was prevalent at the time and targeted at him through his run up to break to breaking Bay Ruth's home run record in seventy four. Um, do you guys ever? Do, is it impossible to rank guys? And if you do, where do you got? Where do you to put uh, uh, Hank?
2: I put Hank at number one. Um, and you know why? Because of what you just said. Yeah. All the hate mail going through everything like that, having to get right. protection for his family, right. doing all those types of things when he's trying to break off Babe Ruth's home run record. Yeah. Babe Ruth, everybody loved him and, you know, he'd hot yeah. dogs and beer and, you know, <laughs> hit home runs and, yeah. you know, the and circus. so I don't think it's even close because of the fact that what Hank had to endure and what he had to go through and then how he started and how he finished. Check out that, yeah. his travel yeah. from when he signed how he started growing up to where he finished and what he ended up being like
0: skinny 17 18 year old kid strong. uh packing up a a little bag with his belongings and going off to play with men, grown men yeah. uh with a cross-handed grip i mean he's, he, he yeah to to, begin, to go from that to the home run king uh and play for 23 years right uh, with the consistency that he did it's just uh yeah we'll never see anything like that
2: well, again yeah the talent's fine but the attitude and the mental part right, all yeah. came into right. play that's so much that's huge in in his in, in discussing his uh yeah. career I'm and uh, but when you were talking to him Eric you know he knows you'd never even know it you never knew he was a home yeah. run king you never he, you just thought he was one of the guys that he'd laugh at some jokes or you know talk about any type of subject you want to talk about well, uh, t- that
3: was the a- that was the most shocking thing, you know, meeting him because I'd be rehabbing in Atlanta a lot, and I'd he, he'd come into the weight room around, you know, the time the rehab guys were in there, and he was rehabbing a hip or knee, so he'd be on a machine, and you'd walk in, and I'd see Hank Aaron, and I, I couldn't even make eye contact, you know, you get so much respect for the guy, you're not even comfortable approaching him, and he'd say hi to you, and he'd reach out, shake your hand, and he had this yeah. just sense of calm to him, you know, that right. that all of a sudden after you're around him for a minute, to you felt comfortable talking to Hank Aaron. And, and oh, for me, that was the most thing. I
2: was a nervous wreck, and within yep. an hour, yeah, it's like, it's like you and I talking guy. right now.
3: Yeah, that's the, that for me was the thing that stood out the most about him was just how he made everybody comfortable, you know, in the presence of his greatness.
0: Leo, remember when he'd come down to spring training every year? How the players that had never seen him or met him before. Chipper said they would all be. He'd be sitting on the perch behind the batting ca- practice cage, uh-huh. and players would tell Chipper, that, "Hey, can you introduce me to Hank?" And chipper like, "I don't need to. He's the He'll
4: most approachable
0: hi. guy in the world. Just <laughs> yeah. go up to him." Yeah. Sure enough, they'd go up to him, kind of, you know, sheepishly, and <laughs> and he would just say, "Hey, how you doing?" He'd know about their stats and say, yeah. well, "You know," and, and, and so he just made everybody feel so comfortable.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, I'd be down in the bullpen having guys throwing down there, and here he come. He yep. Said, what what we got going on here today, Leo? Wow. And then he'd look he'd watch some of those guys throw and uh and uh he'd say, Man, Maddox got some movement on that ball, Leo. I said, Yes, he does. <laughs> he says, does he do that? So I explained to him how he did it and and uh uh you know, he would look at Glavin and say, Great change up, you know, what a uh-huh. great change of speeds and and uh you know he loved Avery because Avery had a killer instinct in him at a very young age. You know, at twenty one he was an eighteen game winner, but and stubborn, which yeah. I, We all love that. We uh-huh. all love that. We, we want a pitcher to be stubborn. So, but he knew all those guys, Merker, all the guys that they drafted, and uh, he knew them personally. He made a fact. He made a, it. Made it where he knew who they were, what they did, and and, uh, but he always wanted to talk to the coaches and always wanted to talk to the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches, whatever. So, he made himself available. Yeah, yeah. You know, For sure. and you'd have, you'd had to be an idiot. Not to take advantage of it.
0: Well, Leo, if you explained to Hank how Maddox did it, please
2: explain to us how he did it. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, <laughs> easier said than done. Huh?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you know, when he, when he came over in the, in the trade, uh, I mean, uh, when we signed as a free agent from yeah. the Cubs, well, the first thing I did was say, give me your checkpoints. I didn't say, it. Mm. he goes, I'll give you my checkpoints. He said, and (laughs) I didn't, and you tell me how you guys are getting to the world series and your guys are not all making their starts for two years in a row. I said, okay, we'll, we'll trade. (laughs) Anyway, he said the key to his pitching was his alignment and where he landed. For example, if you used to look Mm -hmm. at him on the rubber, if he was going down and away to a right-handed hitter, Mm. he aligned his body up to that down and away strike, picked his foot up and stepped to the target he was going so in other words if he was working each side of the plate there'd be a half a width, foot width difference in where he landed mm-hmm. whether he was going the first base side of home plate or the third base side of home plate and if you ever noticed that when he looked every once in a while he'd look down after a pitch and see where he's where he landed and so his it was his alignment you know the fastball command and that was that was how he got movement on both sides because in other words if you did if you didn't take a direct route to your target in other words his comebacker whether it was a a two-seamer to a, a right-handed hitter for strike one or mm-hmm. strike three on a lefty on the comebacker, if he wouldn't have aligned himself to go straight to that target, you have to help that pitch get there. Well, As yes, soon as you it. help that pitch get there, it's not—it's a, a different pitch. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: You know, so I one time, like Dave, you like lot. this. So he, he explained all that to me, you know, and I'm watching, you know, going like this. And so boom, 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 boom. Well, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Glavin was off target one day. And he goes, <laughs> he goes up to me and he goes – he goes, uh, Leo, he goes, ah, I'm off target. I said, come on, I got something for you. So I took him down the bullpen, and I lined him up each way, right? And boom, he hit the target every time. He said, that's what I like about you, Leo. He said, you never let me go very long without fixing it. I said, no problem. That's what they pay me for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you didn't say that's correct, Matt. <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> oh, no, I didn't. So he leaves, right?
2: So, 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 so Smoltz comes down and goes, ah, da, da. you know you know him. In between starts, he drives himself crazy. Right, hey, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I tell him the same thing. He goes, You've been talking to Maddox. <laughs> I, say, I said, Yeah, but don't tell Glavin that. He thinks it's my idea. <laughs> so, that so was I- the kind of, you know, but seriously, we taught that to every pitcher. Then it came in. Everybody wanted to know how John Burkett, Jared Wright, and all those guys turned their careers around. Uh-huh. It was all based on fastball command. And when they learned how to align themselves to the plate, they start banging that target. And when they th- when they didn't try to go over hundred percent, they hit it every time.
3: And so if much you, of they that. If you try to go over a hundred
2: percent, then you're not going to hit it. And you got. Yeah, I so heard much you of saying that. From Attucks,
3: huh? I heard you saying. Um. I heard a quote of yours about superpower. That pitchers trying to use superpower when they get tired or when they want to challenge it, right? You know, I, I like that a lot because I think that's something that that's a trap that a lot of pitchers fall into is trying to be better than they are or try to go get more than they have. And yeah, you. I love that because that's just that's when you get in trouble.
2: No question, Eric. We used to say, look, you know, I used to tell the guys, look, you're going to get face adversity in the game at least two or three times, you know, unless you're really on. And I said, you're on 60% of the time. And the other 40% have got to figure out your way. I said, but if you try to resort to superpower and super control, you won't have damage control in the inning. You you might get knocked out. Because superpower means you're going to overthrow, which means you're probably going to go up in the zone when you don't want to. Super control means you're going to get behind an account and three, you raise the risk of arm injury. I said, so why would we do that?
4: Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we
2: not be, think in terms of being sneaky quick as opposed to overpowering? If we're sneaky quick, as opposed to overpowering, we're not going to overexert. We're going to locate. The ball's going to get there just as quick.
3: Yeah. But yeah. these were
2: little things that, you know, over the years, uh, when I, they all said, how did those guys turn their careers around when they were mm-hmm. Burkett mm-hmm. and Jarrett Wright and John Thompson and Russell, all those guys, that was it. Because when as guys got older, yeah, they wanted to trick people, mm-hmm. and they forgot about the fastball command. That's the last thing they they neglected the fa- the command of the fastball. So then we got we were able to show them the route and the direction for fastball command. And I'll be darned if they didn't start banging it. They asked John Burkett. They said he said how did you turn your career around? He said, well, the Braves pitching coach told me my slider was lousy. <laughs> and he, he said, so, cause I, you know what I told him is every time you're in a slider situation, throw a fastball. And he's, he got so many guys caught looking, uh-huh. etc. cetera, you know, but these are all little things that as Eric knows, it goes on constantly. I don't think it goes on as much anymore. Probably it's more of a you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a percentage game and all that type yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, I think there's a place for that, but I, I think that shouldn't overrule anything that we're talking about right here.
0: Uh, Berkey, I had covered Berkey when he was with Florida before he came up here, and he was such a colorful character. I, oh. I, I could imagine him being a great fourth for the big three if he'd have been here for 10 years, because <laughs> his personality was would have oh. been a perfect compliment to those guys.
2: He was, you know what? We're, we're, we're down in, we're playing, uh, Bobby goes, uh, Tampa's thinking of letting Burkett go, you know, he went. let's go, let's get him. He ends up in a starting rotation, pitching opening day and making the all-star team. <laughs> 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 and I'm telling you what, funny. I oh, mean, yeah. he, he didn't have to say nothing. Sneaky funny. Yeah. You just look at him. You start laughing, you know, Goofy dude. <laughs> but really Hell, smart,
0: yeah. really smart. Yeah. You know, he bowled several, a bunch of 300 games. He was a 300 Bowling. bowler. Yeah. 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 People didn't know. I think that, that
2: had a and if you saw him line up his yeah. you know look down and line up his right. fastball, that's what you thought about, you know. So
0: one day he took a couple of riders out to uh, he was all proud of this. We were at spring training down in Melbourne, Florida. And he uh, he goes, Come here, I want to show y'all something. He took me and another rider out to his car, way out in the parking lot, to show us the big stereo that he had just gotten put in his car. <laughs> it was great. It's like, what are we in yeah. high school? That's awesome. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, I just, I, just, I hope it wasn't an eight-track.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cassette back then, I think. Oh, cassette
2: then, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, Leo, you so you guys won 14 consecutive division titles in a 15-year span. What was the feeling among the coaches and Bobby Cox and the players, the pitchers, could you guys have caught the Montreal Expos that year when they were leading when the seasons got shut down?
2: Well, I think Bobby Cox said it best. We're up in Montreal. I'm trying to think of the general manager's name. Uh, Remember when he came in that year, they said, well, there's a a new sheriff in town, you know, you know how sunny new sheriff in town.
0: That followed Dombrowski in there.
2: No, 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 no. It was before him. Uh, You'll you'll figure it out. Anyway, we were fought like, I think five games out or so. And uh, the next year, of course, the new sheriff in town said well we that we should be declared uh, division winners cuz uh-huh. Bobby ran, Bobby chased him down in Montreal. He said there's no way in hell you would have kept that five run lead, <laughs> five run uh, um, five game lead on us. He says, A <laughs> new sheriff in town or not, he said I'm <laughs> telling you, you can't declare yourself the division champs cuz we would have caught your ass.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I can see Bobby doing that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely I can. And and what Eric don't know is uh, Eric had him later on in Bobby's career, early on in Bobby's career. Ooh boy. He could, oh boy.
3: I got he a could, taste he, of it. Uh, huh? I got a taste of it in Boston oh, one yeah. time. He, me too. He yeah. got me
2: one time. You know, we, we said this is in ni- 1991. And we finally catch the Dodgers in L.A., right? And so, anyway, uh, he goes, Smoltz is ahead five to nothing in the fifth. And now he's five to one. He's falling apart, you know, walks, wild pitches, you know, everybody. So it's five to three with runners on second and third. And he says, what do you think, Leo? I said, I think we should take him out. He goes, no, 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 I don't, I don't care. I'm going to." I'm, I, he says, should you, we leave him in? I said, I'll give him one more hitter. No, 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 I, I don't care what you want. I said, well, you ask me, you know, I'm yeah. telling you, you <laughs> ask me my opinion. I don't, I don't care. You don't want me to take him out, do you? I said, no, you ask me. I don't care. I'm taking him out anyway. I said, well, do what you want. <laughs> well, when he goes out to the mound, I thought what in the world was that all about? So I took my hat off and scratched my head, right? Smolty goes back in and sits down and Smolty goes, what's that all about? What are you taking me off for? I said, cause you're fixing to blow it that way. So just be quiet. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, Bobby doesn't speak to me the rest of the game. You know, I'm going, wonder, wonder who ticked him off. I said, Oh, I bet Smolty made a face at him on the mound, you know, something <laughs> like that. Cause he took Bobby's used to say, don't make a face at me when I come out there and place that ball in my glove in my glove. And well, anyway, uh, after the game, we win the game. We're going, yeah, yeah. We just tied the Dodgers first place. He goes, Leo, come on in the, come on in my office and shut shut the door. So I said, okay. So I go in the office and shut the door. I thought I'm going to find out who ticked him off. <laughs> don't you ever take your hat off and scratch your head again when I make a decision. <laughs> he goes, and he goes, he goes. You didn't want me to take you out? And then we went through that whole thing. You didn't want me to take him out. You, don't, I didn't. I didn't. We're going back and forth. I said, what you ask me after? You know what he said? Then he looks at me and goes, I didn't want to take him out either. I said, what? He goes, I didn't want to take him out either. He said, I'm going to tell you why I took him out. He said, I'm sending a message to that young rotation you got out there that we're in a pennant race now and the word potential does not exist anymore. I want mm. results. And I said, I sat there, you know, in a chair like this in this office. And he goes, What do you think of that? I said, I think that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. He goes, Good, get the hell out of here. <laughs> but there's the, see what I mean? There's, yeah. mm-hmm. he said, I didn't want to take him out either. Yeah. But that's that's why you know, he's in the hall of fame. But he's in the hall. The main reason he's in the hall of fame, which there's a ton of reasons why, is because of the way he handled pitchers. Yeah. Yep. And he loved pitchers and he made them first class citizens. And the other reason, and, and, and you know, there, there's all this common thing with Don Sutton, Hall of Fame, Hank Aaron, Hall of Fame, Phil Negro, Hall of Fame, and the list goes on and on, you know, with the Braves and uh, the, the the great pitchers and the Chipper Jones and they all had one thing in common. They weren't always a great talent, but they cared. They cared about their teammates. They cared about their coaches, and they respected the game, and uh, that's why we've uh, taken a big hit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah.
4: Yeah,
0: Bobby. Uh, I don't. I, I. I can't even envision. Well, obviously, you're not going to keep three starting pitchers together as long as those guys did through future first ballot Hall of Famers. But I can't imagine another manager making it such a uh, a desirable place to be, and treating them the way he did on and off the field that those guys would want to stay here and not even pursue the best contract or biggest money they could get at the first, at the first opportunity.
2: Right. There's no question about it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like Bobby, let him let, let the guys go play some golf, you know, and, and he goes, they just need they need to get away from the game for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear other organizations, oh, no golfing allowed, you know, right. you can't do this, game, you know, or seeing us leave the field at one in the afternoon before the exhibition game started to go, man, you're done already. Bobby said, if you all do it right, we'll yeah, reward it. you for being getting it done and doing it right. Then you can go. Yeah. How about this? Other manager? Oh, well, we're going to stay here. And you know what all that with anybody, any manager in baseball or all those guys that say we're going to work all day. Da, 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 that's eyewash. wash.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: All they're doing is yeah. trying to show off forever and, it, and you don't get nothing done. How about this? No pitcher shagging. Well, you think all these other pitchers wanted to come over, Eric? No, no shit. You know, when you're done, you're done. Yeah, you know?
3: it was awesome.
2: Yeah, it, it was awesome. wasn't it? And then they, have the guys, to go, "How many you got? How many we need to run in spring training?" I said, "Look, here's the here's the rule. We're gonna throw a lot and run a little. So run what you think you need to do to get ready to to go."
3: My two best years, I'm not sure I ran at all. I think I just yeah, jumped I on elliptical it. a couple times a week.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> and and then you go to other places, Eric, and they're running them in the ground. You know. Right. You know, or they got parachutes on their back doing all this crazy stuff and running around these uh, yeah. uh, floats and tubes and all that kind of crap that you got out <laughs> on the field trying to run around. You know, run the bases if you want to do that kind of stuff.
0: Maddox tells a great story about how he, when he first came over to the Braves, uh, Bobby ran into him on one of the first road trips in the lobby in the morning. and uh, Maddox was getting a cup of coffee or something. And uh, Bobby said, uh, why aren't you out playing golf? And Maddox was like, am I supposed to do that? He goes, yeah, go out and play golf with those guys. He wanted those guys to go out and play. He knew it was a release for him,
2: mentally. Right, right. Well, you know, and then get to know each other. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, create a friendship. But yeah. well, I remember one time, you know, one time, uh, you know, Bobby said, okay, you put whatever pitchers you want on field one, whatever pitchers you want on field two. But then he would say, put the horses on one. Uh-huh. And put the other guys on two. Well, Sheryl's came to me. He says, it's rather obvious, uh, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Who's making the team. What's the
2: pitchers you have where. <laughs> I said, yeah, we got the horses on one and the, and the other guys on two, not to know that. And he said, well, you know, it's obvious. And I said, well, look, I said, those guys are the ones that are going to be together all year. Let them get to know each other and get get, get acquainted. Mm-hmm. But as you well know, David, when I was down there, all the guys got to pitch. Yeah, We would have never found Greg McMichael. He was on field too. and made the major league club. For, so I had a rule, Eric, any, any major league player that was in the big league camp, they're all going to pitch. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, not there yeah. just to back up. I had no such thing as a backup. If I had any backups, it was when the minor league guys showed up. Yeah. I, or they designated three backups for me for the big league club before the minor league guys got there. Right. So if I've got Eric Flaherty pitching on, on, on field one and I, and, I, and he's a reliever, but I want to bring him in earlier to face a, a better hitter, better hitters, mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. do that knowing that I'm not going to run out
4: of right. major league right.
2: pitchers. I'm going to do whatever I want to do because they gave me those three guys. I mean, I remember as a youngster, I was a young left-hander that pitched 10 years in the minors, right? And I went to the big league camp with the Oakland A's, and they said, you're backing up. 1st You're the backup guy. Okay. Well, hell, I went six, seven days just sitting there watching the games. Yep. They didn't care whether you threw or not. I mm-hmm. did went through on my own. So I learned that. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Yeah, then you're you're costing them time to develop. You know, they'd be better off sitting over and pitching in the minor league side.
2: Absolutely, or being around managers who used to say, "Okay, let's get all the pitchers over on field two. Let's get them out of the way so we can get some real work done." Yeah, and I used to hear that and go, "Well, they ain't gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna win if they think that they're not gonna win." Yep.
0: Leo, you got a? Uh, didn't you get a tattoo to to as a tribute to the 14 <laughs> division titles? You still got yeah, that right? Got, you didn't get it yeah, covered got, over, it, did you?
2: It's a it's a it's a it's a pennant flag with fourteen straight in it on my left shoulder. <laughs> How'd
0: that come about? Who dared you to get that?
2: Uh, Kevin Millar.
0: <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> I can believe that having covered him in the, with the Marlins,
2: right, right. But I'm glad I got it. I mean, yeah. because, you know, it wasn't that I wanted a tattoo. It was I said it means something. Yeah, fourteen straight in a pennant flag. It isn't like I got some something. Yeah. Flying around on you, but it doesn't mean nothing. Well, it wouldn't you have know. been,
0: it, and it wouldn't have been as great if the Braves would have won like four straight, four more division <laughs> titles after you left, but they didn't. Well, I had to, I'd had to add on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Guys,
0: let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show.
1: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Leah, we've had some discussions, Eric and I, with some of the other guests we've had on here about the state of pitching today and how much the game has evolved in the last 10, 15 years or more. Some of those changes kind of began. Just they kind of began to creep into the game towards the end of your coaching career, right? Some of the little changes and kind of well, to yeah, I mean, a after little that. bit, but not
2: not nearly as drastic as they right, are now. Right. I mean, uh, what
0: are the biggest changes in the game and in pitching since you began your career as a major league coach and since the end of your career till now?
2: Uh, the lack of innings by starting pitching. Yeah. Bottom line, you know, if I'm Blake Snell, yeah, I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling tell- tell- that manager, I ain't coming out. Yeah. I, I, I told him right on the mound, I'm not coming out. You know, I, can you imagine going out and tell Don Sutton, he's done good. Or even Maddox Glavin Smoltz. Yes. I talked to Glavin about it. He said, he said, we'd have had a fight right there on the mound. Yeah. You know? So I, I, you know, I turned the TV off after that happened. I would not go and watch it. You know, if you talk to Maddox, go, well, he goes, well, I said, it's hard for me to watch. Yeah. But you can still, uh, uh, it's the reason why, you know, oh, you can't go around the lineup a third time, you know, because da, 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 Yeah. Da, da. yeah. You know, what a bunch of, you know, look how they're pitching. Right. See how they're pitching. I Use mean, your brain. Huh? One get shut out with nine strikeouts and you're yeah. not tired. I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on, you know. Use and then, your
0: experience and your brain you know, and figure yeah. it out, huh?
2: Well, it's not that difficult. There really isn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, there's a place for the game for analytics, but that doesn't govern what you do as a coach. You have to you have to use your gut feeling. It can't go away. That gut feeling can't come out. Guys like Tom Lasord and Bobby Cox, Mm -hmm. you don't think they didn't manage on their gut feelings with a few little numbers that they had in the back of their head? Mm -hmm. Come on.
3: That's why a lot of those coaches, you know, they're out of the game now too, is because there's that's a lot of managers are managing to keep their job, you know, not not to necessarily win the game, and that that's what makes it tough. Is right. I I don't know, but if I'm if I'm cash in that situation, fire me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not taking oh, Snell out of that game. Let me game. tell you
2: two two places I would have got fired, Eric. When they set Strasburg down when he had a chance to go to the World Series oh, and taking man. and taking the, the pitcher out in game six of the World Series with a yep. two with a one hit shutout and nine strikeouts. I mean, you know, it's funny. We talked uh, and I always talked about that one hit the one to nothing game. And uh to show you how that went. Series, yeah, yeah. One yeah. to nothing. Yeah. You know, after the, after the second, or third, inning, he, he said, they're creeping up on the plate on me, you know, he said, so I guess I'm going to have to go in more. And I said, well, you got two options because I do. He said, I said, yeah, I said, you can go out a little further. I said, if they follow you out, I said, they're going to get on the plate and get up to you. You can go out a little further. If they follow you out, you're still in the same boat, you know, and it, because their, eye, their eyesight's still going to give you, give, they're going to still see the same ball away from them. <clears throat> and I said, so go out a little further. He went out and I said, but if they start, locking in on you to right center, then you're going to have to go in for two reasons. One to get, get him out. And number two, to open that back up.
4: Yeah.
2: He went out, they followed him right out. He only threw like seven pitches inside that whole game. But when, when I always said, I said, you know, after the eighth inning, he had a one hit shutout. Right. I said, what if you'd had a no hitter? <laughs> Cause he'd come in. He says, I'm done. I said, I'm exhausted. And because he's he's the one who came into that game in the fifth inning and said, "Would somebody yeah. score a run? Because they're not." <laughs>
4: hey, yeah. And I cleaned
2: that. And I cleaned that up. Give me one today.
0: fucking run, not not yet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well. <anyway. laughs> yeah. And and so, anyhow, uh, 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 we can cut out here. He good. said I'd had to go for it if I if it was a no hitter, you know. But uh, you know that that was interesting. <laughs> the other interesting one was uh, in talking to Kent Merker. Kent Merker in 1994, his first start, Eric was. He started some, in the '94, '95, then he made aggressive career as a reliever. He started as a reliever, and then we started him, then we went back to a reliever. He had his first start is in LA, on the road, in April. After six innings, he's got a no hitter going.
4: <laughs>
2: he comes into the dugout and he says, "I'm getting tired." I said, "What? Are you out of your mind?" He goes, what do you mean? I said, "Look up on the scoreboard." He looked up on the scoreboard and he goes. I'm not tired anymore.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: so he throws a no hitter, right? He threw 131 pitches. I think it's the most we ever had in the in the Bobby Leo era. Was 100. But we always felt that uh, for some reason 125 was a magic number. For yeah. some reason, yeah. we didn't nothing to back it up.
0: Like 100 today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well, I it's even getting less than yeah, that. Yeah, you're no. right. 90. Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he throws not, like I lose every guy He threw like 91 <laughs> fastballs you know, and he, and of course he never did have a good breaking ball, not even close to what you had, but he, and he had pretty good changeup, but his fastball would explode at the cut of the grass and then explode into the hitter, <clears throat> which a radar gun doesn't tell you that. Cause he, he was always around 89 or whatever. Right. And, uh, after that he threw the no hitter. Right. And then I tell everybody, he only pitched 17 years after that. Yeah. <laughs> he, no, he wouldn't even have been allowed to come close to throwing that no hitter today.
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's
2: guys that have been throwing no hitters that are taken out now, and and it's uh, sixth. <laughs> look, yeah, it's not. A, it's it's not. It, you don't abuse anybody. It's based on common sense. I mean, but you don't want to abuse any pitchers. You never do want to do that. And 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 if you ha- and if you need a number to as a pitching coach, if you need a number, they they determine that. I don't think you should be a pitching coach.
3: Leah, you could just watch it. You could just watch guys, and it, so much of it is, is how much. You? How many stressful innings have they had? You know, Absolutely. how many guys have been on, how many times they had to pitch out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Right. That that plays into it just as much as the number. You know, you could throw 80 stressful pitches and beat gas, or you could throw yeah. 120 and cruise, you know, if, if you're going deep into counts but never really pitching in jams and stuff. I think, yeah. you know, that's just something that's kind of missing from from gauging uh, pitcher's stress these days.
2: Right. Leo. Well, you, know, you know what, Eric? Here's a good one you'll like. They used to say, you know, making all these changes, you know, one pitcher pitches one fitter and a pitcher and five, ten pitchers a game, five on each side, minimum. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what I used to do with the setup guys? I used to do everything I could to have our setup guys either improve or develop a straight change. Yeah. Because I always felt that if we had good straight changes, that would negate the lefty, lefty, righty, righty matchups. For example, David Mike Relminger, right? He was a left-handed Setup guy for four years for us, right? Yep. We developed a great straight change, so we didn't care if somebody pinched at a right-handed hitter. Right. Go ahead, knock yourself out. So, what we tried to do with with them and Rudy Cienes and and Chris Hammond and all those guys was and Hammond already had a great change. I had I had to make him throw more fastballs. <clears throat> and so anyway, if they had straight changes, that negated a lot of the changes that you saw that you see now in the game of baseball. And, and why they've had to put that rule in where you have to face three hitters when a reliever comes in.
0: Leo, do you think pitching is better today, or is it just different? And and in other words, has all the technology, the fitness regimens, the dieting, the uh, the uh, all the video equipment that they have now, the spin rates and all that, has it made pitches better, or could you have taken a good pitcher from 25 years ago and quickly had him become one of the best pitchers today as well?
2: Anybody that's pitching today in the game could have done the same thing we did. Yeah, starters and relievers. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we used to call them heavers. You know what a heaver is? Mm-hmm. A guy just goes out there and fires blind. Right. Those are heavers. And, if, and when somebody explained to me then all the, and I believe that has a lot to do with the number of Tommy John surgeries going on in the game today, is because setup guys are really being abused. They, they right. you know, the, right. and and the. Actually, the starters got it pretty much, you know. Yeah. Pretty, and, They're you know, protected. I, th- I think that – and also, you, you're you going to think I'm crazy. Of course, you already knew that anyway, right, David? Yeah. Eric didn't know. He had, <laughs> I wish I could have coached with him. I, I used to tell the guys, I said, how, m- how many guys in, on our team thinks they can get uh, three outs or bullpen, right? Oh, uh, yeah, Leon get three outs. I said, well, then what the hell difference does it make? Yeah, well, they can get three outs. And then I said – I used to tell those people, I'd say – I think closing is the easiest job in the game. And they looked at me like, what oh, are you crazy? Of course I didn't, you know, this is my way of trying to lighten the load mentally for a closer. Right. I said, we well, only got to face three outs. I said, and Alejandro Pena said, well, I only got to face three outs. He said, I can do that with my fastball. Plus you're not, you know, you're not most of the time, no inherited runners. Right. What about right, the setup right. guys? The setup guys are inheriting somebody all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than likely, unless you're yeah, you like Gary, some of the guys the he, he was in his bullpen with him and Kimbrough in that gang. But, that's a different story. You know, it's like uh, facing the Yankees when Mariano was a setup guy and wetland was the closer. Right. You know, hoo hoo, good luck with that. So if you have those types of guys, the Braves had three of them with him being one of them, Eric being one of them. Yeah. You know, it was hard not to say, okay, we're going to shut down." That's it. You know, but then again, if your starter's going good, that protects them over the long haul, you know, and before you know it, you know, the the the, the setup guy is out of gas, not the starter and not the closer.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And you see how baseball changes your setup guys every year. I firmly believe that, put it this way, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Soroka. I tell them in spring training, you're pitching every fifth day. And you're pitching every fifth day from spring training to however far it takes us to get to the end of the season and hopefully the seventh game of the World Series. So get ready mentally now. Prepare yourself that you're pitching every fifth day from day one, from spring training to the seventh game of the World Series. Mm -hmm. Get your mindset right there that this is what we're doing. That's not abusing nobody. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you one thing that Bobby Cox did after 19, and this is why I'm telling you this. 1990 at the end of the year. Remember, we started to see our pitching come around. Nobody noticed because we were in last place. He called. He said, get your rotation out here at five, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. Steve Avery, John Smoltz, Pete Smith, uh, Tom Glavin, and Charlie Lebrand was the one veteran, Charlie. Mm-hmm. He said, I want you guys to go to spring training next year. Known that you're pitching every fifth day from spring training to however far you take us. I don't care what you did is doing spring training. Get ready to go five days every fifth day during that season. I want your mindset over the winter to take care of that, and know that what we're what you're gonna what your job is when you get to spring training. You know they never they took us to the seventh game of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Never missed any starts. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think that those those three young starters that the Braves have now, I love them because they can change speeds. They pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just don't heave the ball or fire it out, you know, blind. Yeah. They know how to change speeds yeah. and move the ball around a little bit.
3: And that's rare for so, young guys.
2: Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I, why, why can't they do that? Because you know what, if they don't do it, that's because they won't We nobody will let them do it. Mm-hmm. But they, if they, if you let them do it, they'll do it and they'll stay healthy. If you take care of them with what they're doing in between.
0: Those three, any of those three guys remind me so much of those classic of the big three guys that you had. Those were the type of pitchers you had. They had plenty of Absolutely. velocity, I mean, but they didn't get by on just velocity.
2: Yeah. I never cared about how hard a guy threw. Mm-hmm. What I cared about was whatever he selected, where did it end up? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you know, it's like I tell guys, I say, I'll never second guess your pitching. You know, I know, I know what you're trying to do with a pitch. It's like, you know, when Walters give up that home run, the lyrics, you know. Everybody said, Oh my God, what's the matter with him? He let him hit a slider out of the park. He threw a hundred mile an hour. Da, 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 da. I told Wolders, I said, he'd come in the dugout. Now he already feels like crap. And you know, he have another yeah. coach going beep, 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 beep. You <laughs> yeah. know. And and, and and so I said, I said, Well, Daddy. He goes, Yeah. I said, Don't ever second guess yourself on that pitch. I said, I know you if you'd have thrown it in the dirt, he'd have missed it by three feet. I said, So don't ever second guess yourself on that on that pitch. You got me? He was okay, Leo. You know, and I said, get, I, I, so I sat down, I was ticked off. Not at the home run, but somebody else going. Dee, 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 dee. And so anyway, Bobby, Bobby says, you know how that is, Eric. Anyway,
3: Everybody's got the I'm answer laughing. after the
2: fact, right? Yeah. So, so Bobby sits down next to me, goes, isn't that something, Leo? I said, what's that? Because he knows I'm ticked and upset not and not because of the home run. He said, uh, guys out there throwing hard, like, well, is you know, 95 miles an hour or whatever. He says, he keeps throwing 95 miles an hour. Somebody hits one. Mm hmm. That same yeah. person or somebody's going to say, well, you got it. You got to mix in another yeah. pitch.
4: Yeah. That's said, baseball. And then if you mix
2: in another pitch yeah. and you hang it, then yeah. the same person says, what are we doing? Yeah. Because you can't win. And he was perfectly fine. He got to manage the rest of the game. Eric. He yep. says, you can't win.
0: Eric talks about uh, BMAC talking to him about the most important thing is throwing a pitch with conviction. Once you decide, yeah. right. throw it with conviction, whatever it is. Right.
3: Yeah, that changed everything for me when I came over to Atlanta. I remember I was in a, a bases loaded situation at Philly. So tough place to pitch three, two count and Mac calls fastball away to a good fastball hitter. And, you know, he, I think he saw me kind of just hesitate a little bit or looking at it. Like he saw me thinking a little. So he jogs out to the mound and calls timeout and he just said, look, if you make this pitch, he's hitting the ground ball to shortstop. Don't overthrow it. You don't have to be better than him. Just make the pitch. And so, you know, that kind of calmed me down in a sense, and I was like, I came over with a 20 ERA from Seattle the year before, and I'd struggled, and I'd been trying to trick guys and throw sliders, and so I had nothing, you know, nothing to lose. Let's let's see what happens. I'm just going to make this pitch and trust my catcher, and I throw the fastball, guy hits a ground ball to shortstop, and it was like, shit, that was such an easy way out of that situation, just making the pitch, you know, not sure. letting the situation be bigger than you or, or too much for you or trying to do too much, trying to do that the superpower you were talking about. And uh, that was probably the biggest change for me going to Atlanta was just having conviction with my fastball and throwing it in fastball counts and challenging hitters with it, but just making sure I located it well. You know, that that kind of changed the trajectory of my whole career, just that one talk, him coming out to the mound.
2: No question about it. And you know what? Brian McCann was, I mean, outstanding behind yeah, the plate. Amazing. I only got the fortune to be with him in a very short period of time. But I remember him coming up, coming to the big leagues, and he's, gonna, he's nervous about catching smolts,
1: mm.
3: you know.
2: Man. And, uh,
1: Smoltz
3: loved him, right?
2: Oh yeah. 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 Oh, and yeah. so guess what? It's he, he goes back there. Boom, 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 boom. He's catching him. Like he's had, you know, he's known him his whole career. Smoltz come in and sat down and goes, that's amazing. He goes, <laughs> what? He goes, he knows everything I want to throw. Mm-hmm. He said, I haven't even had to shake him off at all. You know? And then you knew you had something special with McCann back there. And the I never other interesting thing, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was awesome. When you talk about making a pitch, You know, Maddox always told me, he says, it's all about making pitches. Yep. He said, if you make your pitch, whether he knows it's coming or not, he says, you're going to get the guy out. He said, but I wanted to tell you right now, he says, I'm going to give up a lot of O2 hits. Mm -hmm. He said, this is when he first came over. He goes, because the most vulnerable count a hitter has is O2. He said, I'm going to take him out immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. I went and told Bobby that, right? I said, Bobby, he, I said, well, yeah, I said, when he told me that, I said, let me go make sure I explain that to the manager. And I said, Bobby, I said, Maddox says he's going to give up a lot of O2 hits. He goes, what? what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I said, well, he said, the most vulnerable account hitter. Hey, it was O2. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take him out immediately. And Bobby looked at me and he goes, Leo, that's what separates greatness from mediocrity, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there was no, no, no setup, no show, no waste, none of this stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And so we just decided, you know, over, as a group, you know, we were going to try to take people out and all our pitches were thrown to get a guy out, period. Mm-hmm. What do I throw on the O2, Leo? What do you think is the best pitch you think you can throw to get him out? No, say so, you know, whatever you you've got the feel for what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, you make that decision. And also we had the catcher make us make the suggestion with the pitcher making the final decision. Because we wanted the pitchers making, uh, mm-hmm. uh, taking uh, complete uh, responsibility for what was going on out on the mound. The other thing Bobby did was he he'd told he'd the pitchers, he told the pitchers, he says, Look, he says, when you look back behind you, if there's anybody out there behind you that you don't like where they're playing, mm-hmm. you have the option to move them. Then that I way, like that, that right. eliminated somebody coming in saying, Yeah, I got it. Right. Anyway. In
0: this day so and age, he, analytics doesn't allow that. No, oh,
2: that's too bad. Uh, you Positioning. Know, I mean, look, there, I, I, I see, you know, I, I see, I, I watch more of the pitching end of it, but my God, if I had that whole left side, I love seeing yeah. Freddie Freeman when he goes to left. Mm-hmm. I just laugh my butt off and go, every Stick time. here, you know what. And they still shift yeah. on him
0: all the time.
4: Every time. I, and, they,
2: and they come on, you know, give me a break yeah. on that, you know. So anyway, you, I asked a minor league hitting instructor a couple years ago, I said, you got the whole left, say it's the left of your, you got the whole out, well, whole side of the field. He said, he goes, I said, don't you teach him how to hit against the shift? Mm-hmm. I said, because the last I heard, if you're a good hitting instructor, you're teaching the guy to use the gaps. You're, you hit the gaps, you shoot for the gaps and you'll get your home runs or whatever. He goes, oh, we don't want, we're not allowed to mess with them. I said, why? He said, we can't mess with their swing. I said, well, what's wrong with shooting the gaps? That'll take you the opposite way.
4: Uh, I don't know.
3: Was, I think it could come back around. You know, I think yeah. I think at some point there's going to be value in guys that spray yeah. the ball and and use the whole field because you know some of the, the toughest hitters for me to face were the guys that were willing to take their single. The guys that yeah, were trying to like take you. You like a guy deep. to be in pull mode? Oh, it's great. You just throw fastball <laughs> okay. down the way they hit it to second yeah, base. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: The Freddie's liable to hit three thirty, three forty if he if they keep shifting on him and he keeps because he's year. getting better and better at hitting it the other way when he's he wants awesome.
2: to. Oh, he's absolutely awesome. I think he. You know, I love watching him hit. You know, and
0: uh, Maddox was but, the first uh, guy, Leo, that I had heard say that uh, about. Because you hear it all the time about a waste pitch, O two waste yeah. it, spike it. Maddox was the first guy I heard said, "Fuck, forget the waste pitch. I ain't a waste yeah. pitch. Yeah. Yep. No,
2: not at all." I mean, and that's what we used to, you know, because Smolty would. Where Smolty got in trouble early in his career is he would throw the nasty. He had this, for a right hander the best breaking stuff I ever. Had the privilege of coaching or looking behind. Yeah. And uh standing behind him and looking at it. Um, but he'd always give up two strike breaking ball hits early in his career. So what do you he'd try to bounce it? Mm-hmm. I said, Would you quit trying to bounce the damn thing? Just throw it like it's strike one or strike. I don't care. It breaks so good. I'm trying. So when he tried to bounce it, he would slow his arm speed down, uh-huh. try to make sure he got it down. And that's when he would leave it right there. Yep. Until yeah. he got understood that go ahead and take him out, you know. Go ahead and take the guy out. You don't have to bounce nothing.
3: Yeah, waste pitch. That waste pitch mentality takes away some of that aggression that makes the pitch good in the first place. You know, Right. when you're trying to get him out with it and you're trying to finish it and, and throw the shit out of it, that's that's when yeah. you, that's when it has that good life to it. When you try to waste a pitch or baby it and throw a ball down in here where it's safe, right. that's when you slow right. down and wind up hanging it. Leo. Well,
2: you know what Johnny Sane used to say too. He'd say, you know what, Leo? He said you get a, you get a hitter out five ways: movement, stuff, change of speeds, location, and motion. He said, those are the ways you get him out. He said, he said, so whatever you're going to do, you do it under control. And if you do it under control, you're going to make the pitch that you need to get the guy out, you know? And so, therefore, uh, uh, you might as well not, if you're going 0 2. And you ever see how many times did you see a guy go to and then he's going to go inside on the guy? He misses way high or way wide, or if it's a breaking ball, bounces to the plate, you might as well call timeout and say, hey, it's one, two. Let's move on now. Yeah. You know what I
3: mean? <laughs> Save your arm. Hey, Liz.
0: Leo, what is uh, down and away was like one of your mantras? Explain to the listeners why that was such a perfect uh, kind of quadrant to exploit, in your opinion.
2: Well, Well, that that quadrant uh, or that part of the plate was the when you did their history and studying of the game was the lowest batting averages in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. All right, and then there was a and so therefore everybody always talked about pitching inside. Yeah, you got to jam this guy. You got to get in. You got to get in. You got to in. Okay, I personally felt they used to ask me how do you teach pitching? How to teach a pitcher to pitch inside? I said it's very simple. You teach them how to Mm own down and away. So if you own down and away, you can go in when you want.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Not mm-hmm. what a scatter report tells you, when you want to go in. You can go inside effectively and selectively if you own down and away. And mm-hmm. if you don't own down and away, then you can't do it. So therefore, owning down and away allowed us to work both sides of the plate. Uh, so we uh, wanted to go down and away, boom, strike one. And, and if we went strike one down and away, we thought it was either a head and a counter or one pitch out.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You know, I see so many guys now sitting up and in on first pitch strikes. I'm going, I don't get it. You know,
0: I'm looking at some of the stats that your rotations produced and it's just remarkable, even though I've seen them many times before, but when you digest uh, how durable and consistent they were, the innings, the starts, how few starters you used in an entire season. And, And I had just a couple of examples here. 91 Braves, the worst of first 94 win team. You had four starting pitchers make 141 of the 162 starts. 34 by Glavin, the Cy Young winner. 35 by Steve Avery. 36 apiece for Smoltz and Charlie Liebrandt. And then Pete Smith made 10 of the remaining 21 starts. The 93 Braves, you did them even one better. You had 35 or 36 starts from four different pitchers. Maddox and (laughs) Glavin had 36 apiece. Smoltz and Avery had 35 apiece. And that year, Maddox won 20 games in the Cy Young. He had a 2-3-6 ERA, 267 innings. He only allowed 228 hits, including 14 homers, in 267 innings. Uh, Smoltz pitched 243 innings, allowed 208 hits. And Glavin won 22 games, pitched 239 innings, and finished third in the Cy Young race that year behind Maddox and Bill Swift of the Giants. And that was after Maddox and Glavin i finished one, two in the Cy Young race the year before in 92. So it's just that you'll just never see that again. What you, what you guys did, the durability and the consistency, of the innings.
2: Well, you know, if, and if you follow that down the road, you'll look at some different names. And one year it was like, uh, Russ Ortiz, John yeah. Thompson, Mike Hampton, um, uh, you know, and, and, and guys like that, that, uh, did the same thing. You know, it's like Russ Ortiz. We got Russ Ortiz in a trade from the Giants. I said, anything you need to tell me, Russ? He goes, what? I said, he says, yeah. He said, I said, the Giants traded me because they said I walked too many guys. I said, I don't care how many you walk. Boy, he you walked don't. a I said, bunch, no. didn't he? I, I, said, I said, no. I said, as long as they don't score. <laughs> and they did. Somehow <laughs> they, they did, did that he, year. <laughs> Eric, he won 22 games that year. Walked and I didn't, talk, I didn't work with him one time on don't walk this guy or any of that stuff. And you know what? If he's pitching in today's game, he might not win yeah. ten because he he didn't even kick in till he got to eighty yeah. pitches after four innings.
1: He walked a
0: shit ton of guys that year, man. But then
2: he would he won twenty two games. So who am I to argue? I said everybody's got different styles. He got yeah, out of more jams
0: than anybody I've seen in a full year. <laughs>
2: that was unbelievable. So you had all those kind of guys, you know? I mean, it was different guys, but you had your base for ten years. You had a. Strong base of the big three.
0: Ninety six in nineteen ninety six. It was a ninety six win season for you guys. Second consecutive World Series trip and fourth trip to the series in four years. You guys got two hundred and thirty five innings and a two nine eight ERA from Glavin. Two hundred forty five innings and a two seven two ERA from Maddox, and two hundred and fifty three and two thirds innings with two hundred and seventy six <laughs> strikeouts and a two nine four ERA from Smoltz, who went twenty four and eight that year and won the Cy Young Award. I, I wanted to ask you, have you ever coached a tougher or more competitive athlete than John Smoltz?
2: Well, not really. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you'd have to give Glavin and Maddox right in that right. boat. You know, Jarrett Wright was like that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know?
0: Bulldog. Uh, wasn't he?
2: Yeah. And that year, yeah, that year Smoltz won, um, 29 games, he won the all-star right. game and he won three games in the playoffs. He
4: won <laughs> 29 games that year.
2: And, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, all like I said, that's the thing that we were most proud of. I mean, you know, it's like Maddox said in his Hall of Fame speech. He said, our coach in Atlanta said, go to the post when it's your turn and the rest will take care of itself. I never told anybody how many they should win, how many they should, you know, this or that or what your goals are. No, the only goal was to go to the post when it's your turn. Believers, top, top. make your appearances when called upon. Uh-huh. Yep.
0: Tell us a little bit more about Maddox. He won four straight Cy Youngs from 92 through 95. The last three of those were with the Braves. And, and this is to me, I mean, you can look at Pedro Martinez, had a stretch like this, and Remy Randy Johnson. But Maddox, to me, this stretch that he had, he went 75 and 29 with a ridiculous 198 ERA and a 0953 whip in 124 starts during a four-year stretch, averaging 237 innings a year. And that's despite two of those years being shortened by the strike. <laughs> Jeez.
4: No,
2: I was, he was, uh, I never seen him carve up somebody like he could carve somebody up, you know, and carve up a hitter. And, and it was amazing, you know, I mean, you know, you, you, when you talk about those Hall of Fame pitchers, you know, Gladman was stubborn. He would never give into the strike zone. Right. Smolcey had Smolzy had three good pitches in command of him. Uh-huh. And Maddox had movement. And and three pitches basically. They all had just three pitches and basically, but they could uh, they know what they had and they know how they knew how to use it. But um uh Maddox one time he in one of those years where he got off to a 4 0 start, you know, he's he's pitching against the Mets. Uh-huh.
4: uh-huh.
2: And we're, we're in Atlanta and he goes, uh, you know, you haven't been out to the mound yet since the season started. This is four starts in a row. I said, No, 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 no. He goes, uh, well, he said, uh, I'm gonna look in, in the sixth inning tonight. He said, when I looked in, he said, come on out and pay me a visit. I said, yeah, that's fine. I'll come out and visit you. I'm thinking, well, I hope he's out there in the six. You know, I mean, you know, nothing, something could happen. I don't yeah. know, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting yeah. it, but anyway, he's got a three hit shutout going in the six. He gets the first guy out and looks in the dugout at me. And Bobby goes, Leo, Leo. He said, mad dog's looking for you. Get your butt out there. Make sure he's okay. So here I go. You know, I go running out to the mound and I said, okay, I'm here. <laughs> he says, thanks for coming out. He said, it gets lonely out here. He said, he said." I don't want to talk to Chipper. He said, I don't want to talk to the umpire. He said, the catcher don't speak English. I'm glad you came out. And I said, I said, well, now that I've come out, he says, what do I look like from in there? (laughs) I said, I said, you look great. You got a three hit shutout going. I said, you look great. He goes, good. He goes, I said, I'm out of here. He goes, one question, one question. I said, "What?" one more question. I said, what's that? He goes, does the bullpen need any work? I said, no, you're going nine. You know? Just something, a story like that, you know, that uh,
4: it
3: was That's amazing. Total control of the game. You oh. know, just yeah, th- yeah. That, that mental power there, just to be totally yeah. in control you know what he, of the game Here's like what he,
2: he said to me, He said, you know, everybody thinks I'm the smartest pitcher in the world. He said, it's amazing how, how smart you can be when you can put your fastball where you want it every time. Yeah, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: Leo, that's what he told me. He swore to me. Everybody thought that he thought two or three batters ahead. He said he goes. I never look ahead. He goes. I just don't pitch to pitch. Was he just giving me shit, or did it, was he really like that?
2: I well, let's see if he if he wasn't looking ahead when he come into the. Uh, uh, Dugout in the first or second inning, every once in a while he'd say if that hitter comes up in the seventh inning and the time runs up, he's (laughs) he's he's blanked. Exactly. I just don't
0: I think he liked to play it down. He doesn't like
2: he doesn't like to like play everything down. Yeah, you know, but he he always gave credit to his defense and all he never took credit, you know. Yeah. But he he knew or he'd come in the dugout a lot of times and he'd go, I got lucky. (laughs) I didn't give up one. He said, But I got lucky. But I'll tell you what. Very, no, hardly anybody I've ever met in this game or practically anybody had, had the answer before, after the fact, everybody had the answer after the fact. My darn, he had some answers before (laughs) the
4: fact, you know, he
2: told, he told uh, uh, Bobby one time, uh, he couldn't get Luis Gonzalez out from Arizona, Uh left-handed hitter. And every pitcher, as Eric knows, he had a hitter that there's just, just, I don't care what you throw him, he's going to nail you. Yeah. We couldn't get Luis Gonzalez out. So we're playing Arizona, you know, and they, yeah. Well, that was when you would run into Schilling and Johnson. So, yeah. you know, and uh, so anyway, uh, uh, he told Bobby, he said, you know, he says, if you want to walk him, we'll put him on because Bobby refused to have Maddox walk anybody. Right, right. He was not putting anybody on because he felt that, you know, nobody could hit him. Anyway, he told Bobby, if this is the same, you give him three or four different scenarios, Bobby goes, you're going to drive me nuts. <laughs> anyway, there's uh, first base open game's on the line, and it was either the sixth or seventh inning. And uh, Bobby goes, well, Leo, he said, here's the guy he said to put on. What do you think? I said, we know what I'd do, Bobby. He goes, "What?" I said, I think you should go out there and ask him what he wants to do. I said, because I think he knows better than you and I. He goes, you know, you're right.
4: Yeah. And yeah. so
2: Bobby goes out to the mound, and I see him talking. Bobby goes in and sits down next to me. He goes, "Where do you hear this?
4: <laughs> and I'm,
2: I'm being really polite in how he's like, talking. Where do you hear this stuff? And I said, why? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? He goes, well, he said, I went out to tell him, OK, we're going to walk this guy. This is the guy you wanted to walk. He goes, oh, wait a minute, Bobby. Wait a minute. He goes, um, give me two pitches. He said, if I get behind in the count two and oh, he said, I'll put him on. He said, but I think I can pop him up to third.
4: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Bobby said, Leo, he told me he thinks he can pop him up to third. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking, OK, cut her above the hands to a left handed hitter, you know, fight it off to the opposite way. Pop foul ball to Chipper Jones <laughs> in foul territory at third. Did it? I, I Bobby goes. Well, I can't tell you what he said on it, but he goes, "I'll be a son of a, da, da 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 And uh, anyway, uh, I went. My golly, I think I can pop him up to third. And he did.
0: In those uh, four years that that we mentioned, he had seven uh, seven hundred thirty three strikeouts, hundred and seventy six walks. Twenty of those were intentional, but I'm sure a lot more of those were. Unintentional, intentional, right? Him doing exactly what he wanted to do with a hitter.
2: If there was, there's very few of them. If there was David, there was very few uh, unintentional, intentional walks. I got you.
0: He allowed 33 home runs in four years.
2: Yeah, you know, by today's standards, maybe he doesn't throw hard enough.
3: (laughs) I wanted to ask you that. I wanted to ask you what he thought, what how you thought he would stack up in today's game, because I see a lot of people. Trying
2: I, to, I, so, yeah, I don't think he'd ever give up a run. You know, I mean, <laughs> so
0: different than what hitters are facing, too, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's like the launch great. angle.
2: You know, the, yeah. the launch angle, the launch angle was uppercutters. He would have carved that up. You know, huh? oh my God, yes. You know, I mean, he'd ha- probably had more strikeouts than the three thousand some he did. Yeah. But bottom line is, those guys could pitch in era, any era at any time. Yeah. I mean, and I also think that the pitchers today, like I mentioned. Uh, certain guy, and not just the Braves team. want to, you could still develop great starting rotations and allow them to pitch, <clears throat> but you have to do that starting in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, uh, uh, my my last year with the Braves, I think uh, my last year, like uh, you know how they used to bring the minor league kids up and uh, you know, present them with awards for, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. well, I always pitch used go out like yeah. see the kids and talk to them, you know, and this and that. Well, this one kid comes over as a pitcher. He got an award or something. He's pitching the. Uh, Uh, I guess he was down the instructional league then at that time because it was toward the end of the year and the the scout came with him. The scout says, man, this is so, I said, pleasure to meet you and he goes, yeah, he said, he pitched a great game last night. He said, I said, well, you started? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, he pitched, Leo, he was outstanding. I said, good. I said, I said, uh, how many innings did he pitch? He goes, well, he went three. (laughs) And I went, I said, I'm sitting there in the court of the dugout. You know what I'm going? Are they watching anything around here? You know, or whatever. You know, I said, "What happened? Did you get get stiff or sore? Or did they start getting on you?" He goes, "No, no, he just pitched three. I said, "Why the hell did he only
4: pitch three innings?"
2: Well, that's what he was designated to do. You know, I went, "Okay, that's fine." You know, I'm going, "Congratulations." You know, but to, to, hey, toward the end, toward hey, toward the end of the, toward the end of the time I was in Atlanta, then when they were bringing pitchers up. I always said to the minor league guys, how many times did you go nine? Yeah. You know, now, this isn't that long ago, guys. Right, this ain't, you know, right, right. I mean, how many times you go nine? nine? None of them ever went nine oh, yeah. before earlier on. Pitches. They'd say, yeah, you know, a couple of them went nine, you know, this, that, <clears throat> I mean, Pete Smith was in double a when I was there. He pitched 176 innings and went to the big leagues, <laughs> but <clears throat> he went nine. Now, how many, it got to where nobody went past seven. Oh Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nobody you know? passed 90, so, 90 pitches. Or now
2: seven. you can't expect them to go do that in the major leagues or if you're, if a relief pitcher, you know, is limited to how many you can't, you can't do two days in a row or you can't. Yeah. How are you going to do that in the big leagues? Yeah. You know? So I think you have to get acclimated as far as, say triple a for your reliever to get acclimated to go two on one off two on one off. because if they're not allowed to go back to back or not allowed to do do three out of five or whatever at, at one inning a piece or whatever to get them ready for that because in the big leagues it's going to happen especially like a guy like aries case you, you're so darn good you got to use you mm-hmm.
3: yeah I, I feel like I felt better every day in a row I went to because my timing was cleaner you know I, I felt like I had my direction better I was fresher off the mound Obviously, you need some days off, but I always preferred to pitch a lot, and I think you, you almost miss out on good relievers by not giving them a chance to be out there more.
2: Right, right. Well, you know, the guys used to tell me, "I'd rather be, I'd rather come back a day early than be set back a day."
3: Yeah, like even, See, even that after mindset off days. now is
2: not no longer exists.
3: No, it's all about protecting them, but I don't even know well, if that helps. You, you,
2: there, you, there's nothing wrong with wanting to protect a pitcher. You have to have a plan, and you have to have. The, a baseball plan besides the other things yeah. that go with it. And I think that's determined by it. You, it, it was determined by the manager and a pitching coach. Well, how much they do that now? I don't know.
0: Leo, uh, last thing I wanted to ask you when you went over to Baltimore, Darren O'Day wasn't there yet, right? No. And was, uh, was Mark. Mark.
2: Yeah, Nick. It uh, was his rookie year. That's what I thought. He's best player we had. On, best player we had on the club. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was something. And
2: his rookie year, the best player we had on the club. I'm sure and you
0: saw from him then some of the things that he carried throughout everything. his career, saw, right? No
2: question about it. No question about it. He was the best player on the club. His rookie year went about his business on a yeah. professional manner, which was lacking over there. Yeah, and and was a real. He was a consummate pro at a very young age that i should say that about glavin when yeah. glavin was a rookie and, and i had him in, or when he signed and was in the Instructional league i said this kid's a veteran and he's just signed you know what i yeah, mean yeah. he acts like a veteran mark cacus was the consummate professional in a place where that was very well much lacking
3: yeah soroka is like that from age yeah soroka's 20. yeah soroka pops into my head as right. a guy like that
0: and ian anderson has a lot of that too um Guys, for guys to get to to play or pitch till age forty, they have to be those consummate pros, don't they? You know, they're late thirties to get to forty. I mean, unless they're a DH or something. But well, your Marquez is, yeah, your Chipper. Jones. I mean, I, I
2: think Marquez. You know, I, I hope he hits. You know, hope he si- signs back and he hits three hundred. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against it.
0: Yeah, well, he's got a lot of hits. People, he's under. He's underrated. People don't realize how oh, many hits absolutely. he's
2: got. Yeah, no question. You know, he, now if you can't hit one 650 feet yeah. or strike throw 102 <laughs> miles an hour, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, it's amazing. I see an interview, an inter, I hear an interview with a guy, a pitcher, I can't remember who it was now and the playoffs and he pitched two innings, and had five strikeouts or whatever. And he said, man, how did you do that? You know, <laughs> yeah. well, da, 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 da. you have three hits and two runs,
4: <laughs> yeah. two
2: innings, three hits, two runs, but he had five strikeouts yeah. and was throwing real hard. Yeah. <laughs> he got the interview after the game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nick and uh, a different world. <laughs> Nick and Freddie Freeman have been were so critical in getting this organization through that rebuild in only three years. You know, oh, a lot of people were well surprised they, they won a division title after three years. It didn't take them five or six like it did Houston. And Nick and Freddie right. were so important in that. Nick came on Well, the like the you summer. said
2: earlier. The Braves have always had had success in, in, in their farm system, and yeah. they've known how to do it for a long time.
0: And bringing up or, or or adding guys that were those kind of stabilizing forces in the clubhouse. Absolutely, I mean, those you club don't houses. have the
2: success that they've had. You do and I, I I think you have a manager yeah. that has a combination of old school and new school. Right.
0: Yeah. Snicker. Yeah. You know, he, in other perfect. words,
2: he's he's been through all of it in the early part of his career, and now all yeah. of it through the with 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 what's going on now. And I think there's not too many of them left anymore either. Yeah.
0: Well, he's another that credits his career to Hank Aaron and Bobby Cox. I mean, those were his two mentors. Nope.
2: Well, it's they hit on a lot of us. I'm going to yeah. tell you that. Hank Aaron and Bobby Cox, uh, uh, bottom line is, guys, uh, we're not sitting here having conversations like Snedeker or myself or whoever conversation you've had with without those two people.
0: That's why it makes it so hard to lose – you know to lose Hank and uh, you know Bobby's been a good health. N- Nuxie, and I mean, Don and Don and yeah, yeah. And then uh, Mr. B at the start, you lose a lot of good people.
2: No question. Yeah.
0: All right, Leo. Well, hey, we kept you a long time, man. But we really That's appreciate. All right. We're a- talking
2: baseball and talking <laughs> pitching. I got a picture on the top left hand side of the screen <laughs> there. To, you know, it kind of makes you feel good to talk about that and have and have and have somebody that knows what you're talking about because yeah, he's, he's yeah. had to live through it. That yeah. makes a huge difference.
3: That's what you miss the most when you're done. You know, just those <laughs> conversations and going back and forth about pitching. Man, I always yeah, miss it.
2: I know it. And you know what, Eric? Isn't it funny how, uh, you know, I've all, I always said I learned I learned a great deal for some from some great people that you can count on one hand, and then the other two hundred and fifty. <laughs> I don't know. You better let some of that go in one ear and out the other, don't you? Think? <laughs>
3: oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta learn your filter. You know, you gotta. You ate <laughs> a kid, you know, for sure.
0: Leo, Leo, did you spend a couple of years with William and Mary? Didn't you? With who? William and Mary. Didn't you work with the school, the college? Or who Fir- no, Furman. Furman University Furman, I'm sorry, Furman.
2: Yeah, yeah, I had a great time with that, and uh, they were starting to develop some good kids, and uh, and uh the, the pitching or the the pitching coach there was Caleb Davies and he picked my brain and wanted to, they welcomed me with open arms as far as wanting to know all how we, you know, you know, naturally somebody want to pick somebody's brain, just like I wanted to pick Don Sutton's brain. It it all goes down. And then coach Harker, who was the coach at Furman pitched up through AAA with the Phillies. So he was a college coach that had a background of professional baseball. And when he heard that I was right close to their campus up in Greenville, right. That, um, that uh, he wanted me to stop by. We we developed a great relationship, and uh, his pitches they used all my pitching programs there. They went two years in a row without anybody breaking down.
0: Oh, that's great! You live up in Lake Hartwell, right? Is that
2: right on the lake? You know, I'm looking out of it. Oh, that's beautiful! Street. I yeah. love that lake, man.
0: I always want to go up there and spend a weekend. So that's pretty close to Greenville, yeah, right? You just drove over there, yeah,
2: I, I, yeah. I, I was a pitching coach there in Greenville in '84. Managed the second half '84, and then '87.
0: Oh, I didn't even realize you managed there.
2: Half a, half a year. Okay. Got one to pennant, but got beaten in the playoffs.
0: Great. Well, love it, man. Um we'll, uh, we got to have you back on before, yeah. before too long. Great. Glad to do Maybe spring training.
2: Know. All right. Let me know. It's
0: been great, man. We Be really glad appreciate to do it. We really appreciate you coming on here and talking about okay. Hank. Take care. Can't tell you enough about Hank. Thanks, Leo.
2: Thanks, well, Leo. You too, you too, David. We had a great great run. It was a great fun. A lot of time.
0: All right. That's it for 755 is real. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a uh, real pleasure having Leo on. And we'll be back probably next week. And uh, as we inch closer to spring training, and knock on wood, hopefully it starts on time. Yeah, <laughs> seven fifty-five is real. It yeah, always real. Seven fifty-five. Don't forget it. We're out.